Hello, fellow Rebel Capitalists. Hope you're well. I wanted to go over a story from CNBC talking about Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's partner, and him saying that, listen, life today is five times better than it was in the past, and therefore, any of you who are complaining about the economy, you you should just bite your bottom lip, suck it up, and get out there and make things happen. Now, I do agree with his statement or his implied statement that you've got to take control of your own life. And yes, it may be getting worse in the United States and in the West, but it's still no excuse. You've got to get out there. You've got to get off the couch. You've got to make it happen. You only get one life. You only get one shot. And uh, it is still possible to at least forge a, a good life and a great life for that matter. It's just looking at the aggregate total You can see how the standard of living will most likely plateau and then decline into the future. And therefore, I think what Charlie Munger is saying is a little disingenuous. So let's get over to, um, or or a little, well, maybe I should just say, I think he's wrong. I think he he, he gets it wrong. And uh, let's get over to this article. You'll see what I'm saying here. So stop complaining, says billionaire investor Charlie Munger. Everyone's five times better off than they used to be. So this statement is accurate. I mean, he goes back to like the, the Great Depression. But what this statement misses is the rate of decline for real GDP. And we're going to, and I know real GDP isn't perfect. And I have a lot of pushback on Twitter. And uh, actually, we're going to go over a story regarding this here in a a few minutes. But um, show me the country where the standard of living is improving, and real GDP is going down. Or even real GDP is flat. Right? So again, I know it's not a perfect measurement. But I think it's a pretty good proxy on the standard of living in aggregate total. And what he misses here is the rate of increase is going down. So during Charlie's lifetime, he saw a massive improvement in the standard of living. I mean, massive. Uh, We're talking about, in fact, what will be fun is I'll look at the real GDP growth during his life. I think he was born, uh, I think it says here... Uh, 98 years old, so let's see, 22, uh, 2022, uh, he was born, my goodness, he was born in uh, 1924, I guess, if my math is right, and so he came of age in the 1930s, but uh, let's just, in, in fact, let's do that right now, let's go over to this other chart, and this is one of my favorites, you guys know I've been using this a lot lately, because there's just a wealth of data uh, within this time frame of 1868 to 2022. So Charlie was born in, uh, let's say, 1924. So we'll go ahead and adjust. This is about a 30-year span. So from the time he was born to the time he was 30 years old, and mind you, this is going through the Great Depression, straight through the Great Depression, we had... Uh, let's see, nominal GDP growth of 446%. So let me write that down, 446. 
But then we had the CPI go up by 55%. So now let's go and pretend we've got someone that was born in 1990, roughly there, pretty much the same age Charlie would have been in 1956. So 1990 to 2021. And you see we've got a 300% increase during this roughly 30-year span of nominal GDP, but look at consumer prices. Consumer prices went up by 111%. So the real GDP, I mean, you guys don't even have to do the, the, the calculation. You can see just from these numbers that real GDP was way lower as far as the real GDP growth from 1990 to 2021 than it was from 1924, roughly, to call it 1955. So this is my point. It, it, it's yes, Charlie, you're, you're right that the standard of living has gotten better. But what people are frustrated with, and I think rightfully so, is that 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 rate of increase for your the standard of living that you experienced people today and young people like Josh's age and you know they they aren't experiencing that type of increase in the standard of living so again that's not to say that the standard of living has, hasn't increased five times or whatever he said it's just that the rate of increase is slowing dramatically so we get this stagnation and when you get that under or that that uh, lower than trend growth, that really has the same impact as going into a recession or a depression. And you guys know from watching my videos, my hypothesis, and I think it's pretty darn strong, is the reason you're seeing this decline in real GDP growth is because the additional government spending is a percentage of GDP. And if we see the trend where we're going, especially over the last few years, it would suggest that real GDP growth is actually going to flatline throughout the 2020s. And if it flatlines throughout the 2020s and we still have a population expanding, the, the standard of living will decline. And again, a lot of people push back and say, oh, George, you can't measure the standard of living strictly through real GDP. And I get it. It's, it's not a perfect measurement. Like we said at the beginning, show me the country where the real GDP is going down and the standard of living is going up. Just show me that country. So what we have to look at if, if we're trying to predict what the, uh, you know, what the West will look like, what the opportunities and you know, will we see the homeless rate go up? Will we see drug addiction go up? Will we just see the standard of living in general decline? I think you've got to look at government spending as a percentage of GDP. And in my opinion, my base case is that's going one way from here throughout the 2020s. And that is straight up. It would not right now, we're maybe 45% or so. It would not surprise me that at the end of 2030 that we're at 70%. That would not surprise me at all. So main takeaway here is that I would be the first to say 
that you can't have any excuses. Like you can't just sit there and say, well, I'm just going to be a loser on my mom's couch for the rest of my life because boo hoo, the standard of living isn't increasing the way it was uh, back 50, 60 years ago. That is unacceptable. That, and, and, you know, I know people push back on that, but Hey, you know, this is life in the big city here. You got one shot at this. So you got to get out there and make it happen. But that doesn't mean that in aggregate total, uh, when you look at society at large, that there that there won't most likely be a flatlining or decline in the standard of living throughout the rest of this decade for the reasons that we discussed. And that's why I think Charlie Munger is wrong here. It's not that the life the standard of living hasn't gotten better. I get it. But we're seeing now this really start to plateau where what Charlie experienced throughout his entire life was just massive, massive, massive growth in the standard of living. That's where you get that saying that each generation has it better than their their parents, Uh, except now when I would say that Josh's generation will probably have it uh, worse, or I would say it starts with the millennials. I would say the millennials most likely will have a lower standard of living than my generation, Gen X, and the Gen Z will most likely have a lower standard of living than the millennials. But again, that does not give someone the excuse to sit home, be a loser, collect unemployment, don't, you know, not even go out there and try and work your tail off because there still is a tremendous amount of opportunity out there. And uh, there still is, there's always going to be that opportunity for people to excel and be successful. And there is never an excuse. uh, If if you're physically capable of working, there's never an excuse for you to not be a productive member of society. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out of control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow Rebel Capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. So what do you think would reverse this? Because even during Charlie Munger's time, he was growing up during the Great Depression and his standard of living was still much higher than it was now. When and how do you think the future generations will start to have a better standard of living than their parents? I mean, this is a great point, Josh, because, you know, just going back to his, you know, his first 30 years where we went from 1924 to uh, we'll call it 1955. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we, we, we literally went through the Great Depression. 
what, what is supposedly the, the worst economic period or one of the worst economic periods in American history. We also went through World War II. So, you know, if, if I asked anyone on the street, do you think the real GDP or the economy did better between the end of the 20, 1920s throughout the Great Depression in World War II, or do you think the economy did better since 1990? I guarantee you 99% of the people are going to say 1990 to 2021. I almost, you know, the Great Depression for heaven's sakes, right? We went through the GFC, but it was still nothing like the Great Depression, or so we think. And that's my point. When you actually look at the data, you see that um, the, the people were not, the, the people's standard of living increased far more during the Great Depression, during World War II, than they did from 1990 to today. And you include the internet boom, you include all of the, you know, the, the, the things that we've seen, all the inventions, all the, um, the, all of the things that make life what it is today that we didn't have in the 1990s. I mean, you and I joke around about this all the time. You know, when I was growing up, you, you didn't even have GPS. You would have to, and I, I'm sure many of the people on this live stream can relate where you were driving around in a car. Remember that when you didn't have a, a GPS on your phone and you actually had to use a map? Like Josh, I don't know. You've probably never even seen a map, have you? Well, when we were in Colombia, uh, and the internet's not great, you'll have to look at your phone and try and navigate it. No, no, no. I mean a paper map. Oh, I've seen, I've seen a paper your, map. But... The glove box of your car. Have you ever even seen one of those? I've, I've seen one, but if I had to try and read one, it would, it would probably fry my brain. <laughs> so with all of these technological advances, uh, we still have not increased the quality of life to the point at which they did during the Great Depression and World War II. I think that's my main point. But what's going to reverse that? Because, I mean, we were going through the Great Depression and then World War II, and our standard of living is still getting lower now when apparently our economy is booming. But what is, is it a psychological shift? Is it just smaller government? But then how does that happen? It, it's just, well, it, yeah, I mean, it's smaller government. You, you have to have smaller government. If we continue to allow government to increase in size, then it, I think it's inevitable that uh, we look back and when we're in 2030 or 2035 and we say, wow, what just happened? You know, that, that we have a, um, you know, w like Japan, a lost decade. I think we're going to have not just a lost decade, uh, but a decade of, of serious decline if we continue to allow government spending to increase. So, that goes back to the only tool that we have, the best resource, is our ability to convince people and persuade our fellow Americans or anyone in the West that the, the dangers of allowing government to increase in size. And we need to persuade them to vote to decrease government. And that's going to be very difficult to do. But yeah, not how impossible. Would, how not would impossible. that happen though? 
Because we saw, we did a story yesterday where you were talking about 63% of Americans are in favor of, of more stimmy checks. And that's, that's why I said it's going to be very, very yeah. difficult. Yeah. I mean, almost, I mean, we would need to probably see serious economic pain before people would even consider that. Yeah. I mean, that's my base case, to be honest with you. That's my base case here. And that I, I don't like to be negative, but I, I want to be a, a realistic about it. And I'm not saying that I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to continue to try convince people that we need smaller government. I'm definitely, in fact, I'm going to try as hard as I possibly can. I'm going to continue, even if there was just a 1% chance that we move the needle, like on this channel, I'm going to do everything I possibly can to persuade people that we need to lower taxes, we need to lower government spending. And it's, it's not just uh, something that's a matter of left or right. It, it, it's, it's, it's a matter of, of quite literally life and death. When, when you look at you know, what will most likely happen to the poor and middle class and how we see the drug use increase and the homelessness go up. I mean, we're, we're seeing the average life expectancy in the United States actually going down. So I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say this is a matter of life and death. But unfortunately, my base case is government spending continues to increase until you get to a point where it just society collapses. And I, I, although that's my base case, I'm going to try my hardest to prevent that from happening. So I don't want to seem like I'm a defeatist, but if I'm betting money on how this plays out, that that's, that's where I'm placing my bet. Unfortunately, that government just continues to grow and grow and grow because once you get people addicted to quote unquote free stuff, or, or quote unquote free money, it, it's it's very difficult to take that away and get them headed down a path of austerity. And I mean, just go back to 1913 when we started the income tax. You know, it didn't start with what we have today. It just continued to increase and increase and increase, and the amount of government continued to go up and up and up. Why? Because, you know, 1776, we start a revolution because we don't want to pay taxes. So people remember that. And they remember the, the, the evils of inflation, as an example. I mean, I was just doing research on the Legal Tender Act of 1862. And I read some of the back and forth and the debate they had with the politician, with uh, Congress back then, and some of the people who were proponents of issuing a fiat currency for the civil war and people who were, who were adamantly against it. And when you read the back and forth that they had, you know, during the civil war, you see how ingrained the, the, the fear of inflation was in their mind and the, 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 the hatred of a central bank and the hatred of big government and the hatred of taxes, you, you, could, you could just totally, you know, it was like a debate that, that libertarians would have today. That, that's what it like seemed uh, similar to. But then you get further and further removed from the American Revolution, you know, from 1776 or the late 1700s, and you get, people forget you know, you get multiple generations and the kids don't remember what happened. The kids don't remember why we 
wanted to basically the suicide mission that was the American Revolution. Uh, they don't remember that. They don't remember what why we or why the, our ancestors and our forefathers fought that war and took that just insane amount of risk, right? So then they become coddled, for lack of a better word, and then they start to vote to increase the size of government. And it just happens incrementally, just step by step by step. It happens very, very slowly. But then you never see a decrease. Like, like go back to this chart, Josh. Like right here, total government spending as a percentage of GDP. Look at this. Show me when it went down. Uh, you know, little bits and pieces here. But I'm talking about as far as the trend. You know, every single, and, and ironically enough, it always happens with war. That when you get a war, and this first bump right here, that was a civil war. So government spending during the civil war went from, call it, you know, 4% up to a whopping 15 but then when it goes back down, it goes back down to a level level higher than it was before. Same thing with World War One, same thing with World War Two, and right here it doesn't show it, but you'd see the exact same thing with the Cervasa sickness. Whenever you allow these big spikes, when it comes back down, it comes back down to a level level higher than it was before, and the trend just continues up and up and up and up. And again, my base case is that it just continues to go up until government just completely pushes out the private sector to the point where the economy collapses. And that's usually when you get the quote unquote money printing, the real money printing, not just the Fed creating bank reserves, but the government just literally creating like a CBDC where they're injecting uh, the, the, the currency units into the real economy. And they're doing this to because it's the, the path of least resistance for the politicians because we're having to buy all of our stuff from people outside the United States because we're not making anything in the United States because 70% of our freaking economy is the government spending. You can imagine how inefficient that would be. So I'm not saying don't fight and I'm not saying we can't win. We absolutely can. But when you look at this chart, you see that it's definitely going to be an uphill battle. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. As always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market, capitalism. We'll see you in the next video.